Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dicey D20. My name is Noah, Dungeon Master, and I'm joined here by our players. We have Fievel Mazenthrov. Yo. Back on the pod, my friend. How is it going? Man, it's it's going. I'm back in that shitville ryeberry, but you know. <laughs> what do you mean back okay. in? You were never let in. <laughs> oh, you don't know that. Plus fifty experience points to taste in the cake. He can't act on that knowledge. <laughs> He's cheap. Give him negative. Wait, how would I not know? He knows you didn't make it in. How did? How does he know? Maybe I was just hiding in a house. He was there. Not only was he role playing one of the guards, but he was also his character was standing there when the guards turned you away. <laughs> he said he's alive. Have you forgotten how D and D works? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so sad that this isn't a video podcast because he looked me dead in the eyes with like this serious gaze and he said, "No." <laughs> okay, and we are no, but seriously though, how is it to be back, man? Honestly, I've missed you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. Your character made a surprise appearance last episode. You popped out of a sewer grate underneath Ryberry. The fans don't know why yet, but we're getting to that. I don't even know why. And you don't know why either, Tyson, which is super cool. But, but I mean, give us some thoughts. I mean, what do you have to say to your fans about why you've been gone? You know, me and Jack Bauer, you know, we just need that alone time. We were stuck with Tyson and Rogar and Orin for so long that it was just time for us to, you know, really discover each other. <laughs> Each other? Okay. No, let it let that hang in the air there for a second. <laughs> don't, don't comment on it yet. Okay, so you guys wanted to discover each other. So that's, I mean, that's good stuff. I think the fans are going to be happy about that. Because you have a lot of very vocal fans that were like, where's Fievel? Where's Fievel? Yeah, stop it. I'm back, okay? <laughs> this is your fault. I wasn't supposed to be back for another six seasons, but here I am. <laughs> yeah, we changed the whole pod for you. Okay, but we're also joined here by another one of our favorite players, Tyson McKay. How's it going, Tyson? Thanks for remembering me. You, it's hard to forget you, to be honest. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I wish girls would tell well, me that. that. No, but ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And I would like to start out by saying thank you very much for tuning in today. We are going to be picking up where we left off. But first, I'd like to talk about a super cool feature that Dicey D20 is bringing to you guys on the 22nd of September. At what time, Josh? Do we have a time? I just checked my wrist. I don't wear a watch, so that was pointless. No, no. The, <laughs> not the time now. The time on the 22nd. Oh, oh, uh, what, 8 a.m.? No, we're not starting to drink at 8 a.m. All day, Christ. baby. Let's go. All day I'll drunk do it. cast. That's what you don't know is I'll do it. Um, <laughs> no. And then and then two nat 20s after that so that, we can, so that people can really know how I feel about D&D. <laughs> no, but on the 22nd, at a time TBD, we're actually going to be running a drunk D&D Dicey D20 session. I believe the session is going to be along, along the lines of a Q&A or, or an insight check, right? We're not actually going to be playing drunk, but we're going to be talking about the pod, taking questions from fans, and we want to give back to you guys by letting our guard down, you know? So, so many times... Taking our, our pants off. Our pl- <laughs> so you donate, we'll strip. YouTube, don't demonetize me. I- <laughs> this now just turned into a, a, a strip game of D&D. <laughs> Roll me a uh, D20. How much of a fucking tease would a drunk live stream, not video, so only audio, strip tease <laughs> D&D session be? It's like... Oh, yeah, we just got Tyson to take his shirt off. Can you see it? Nah. <laughs> it's just in my imagination. Rogar, why are you so hard? 
For those of you who obviously are listening and not watching, I almost just spit my drink out. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to mention the drunk pod because that's going to be super fun. I like getting drunk recreationally, so to do it professionally is actually going to be a big step up for me. I will not be getting drunk. Liar. Someone has, yeah. to, someone has to make sure Tyson, the stream's running. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Tyson McKay is also a Mennonite, so they don't drink. I don't even believe in instead. electricity. <laughs> He actually, he runs, we actually, we edit the sound out, but he has a little foot crank under <laughs> under the desk that he constantly powers his fucking machinery with. Which uh, is why I moved out. Too real. Um, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to pick up where we left off last episode. If you all remember correctly, there was a fight with a creature from the abyss who took Lena, our dear Iron Wolf. Who? <laughs> You remember her, the girl with one arm? Who, who's like now disappeared and gone? Yeah. That's my line. I don't actually know her. Uh, she was taken uh, in the last moments of her death-saving throws away to the enemy camp is what our players think, but no one really knows for sure. The, the town was defended for the remainder of the night, and it's now the early hours of the morning with sun just breaking over the wall of Ryberry and over the tree line to the west East sun rises to the east. Sets sun in the rises west. in yeah. the west. Sun, sun sets in the west. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sun rises to the east. I was never good at geometry. All this, all this planning, I don't have that written down. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do remember correctly, last time we left off, we also had a our dear Fievel, our mouse boy, pop up from a sewer grate underneath Ryberry. His little nose working away, sniffing away, and his eyes locked in a dead stare with Tyson McKay. Tyson then, and, and I don't know whether this was part joking or part real, you have to let me know. You said, I charge at him. Correct. <laughs> so, so are we, you're charging at him. Full sprint. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I, I guess the rest I leave up to you guys. Tyson McKay is currently 40 feet from Fievel Mazenthrov and charging towards him. Full sprint, in his words. What would you like to do, Fievel? I'm gonna cast Hear Me Cry. <laughs> no! No, don't You're cast. not getting to me! You're gonna have to go through fucking 90 walls. Alright, bud? <laughs> oh, we're bringing okay, up the no. arena battle again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the arena battle. If you guys haven't heard the arena battle, support us on, on, uh, on Patreon, and you can hear the full extent to which these guys get into shenanigans. Regardless... Tyson McKay, sprinting towards Fiala Mazenthrov. Fiala Mazenthrov just said, hear me cry. That sounds an awful lot like the beginning of a battle. I just want to make sure that you guys both want to do a, this, <laughs> because they haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, how do you know I'm not like coming to embrace you? Yeah, really hard. I left, that guy was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. That was crazy. Well, I mean, to be fair, he was crazy. You were also a little bit ridiculous, though. Also, I'm still not what? wearing pants. Oh god. Okay, so Dong run. Dong flopping back and forth at almost eye level for you. <laughs> <laughs> Something the stuff of nightmares really just just running towards you. I'm just gonna cast uh, jump on myself and I'm gonna hop over as he kinda closes in. Alright, so Fable Mazenthrop casts jump on himself and then you you leap out of the sewer grate over over top of him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what will we... Because it triples your jump distance. Mm-hmm. How high do you think you can jump as a mouse folk? Normally. Like 250 feet. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe two feet. Two feet? You're only three feet tall. I think I'm giving you a huge fucking vert. 
Also, you're a mouse, though. I mean, I think that's... I mean, I'm giving you a little bit more, but I think that's fair. Which means I think you can jump six feet. Which means you would just clear Tyson McKay's head. I grab him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Phil... I mean, check my math on this, but Phil Mazenthrov, I'm going to need an acrobatics check out of you to leap over top of our friend Tyson McKay. Seven. Okay. Okay. So with a seven, I'm going to go with no. You leap at Tyson McKay instead of better. (laughs) Okay. Tyson McKay, (laughs) Fiamma Mazentrov, you haven't seen it in a while now, is leaping at you as you're running towards him. What would you like to do? Grab him out of the air and push him to the ground. Okay. Roll me a strength check to grapple him to the ground. Real fast. That's a five. Okay. Can you roll me a grapple check to see if you squeeze away from him? With a 15, I do. Okay, so uh, Fievel Mausenthrov gets away from Tyson McKay. So Tyson McKay kind of grabs at you, but you, you you worm your way out of it as a mouse folk, okay? Uh, and, and get free of him. You're now five feet from Tyson McKay, and you guys are both just panting, because I imagine Tyson McKay doesn't run a lot, and Fievel, you also ride beasts a lot now, so you're not really... True. Yeah, so what would you guys like to do? Is this something you were looking to continue? So you're crazy. Get away from me. <laughs> I'm the crazy one. Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> you dirty little mouse. <laughs> you left me outside the city. Well. You me on the head and said, good luck out there. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> Probably not, but uh, you know what? It's about how he feels. Hear what he's saying he felt, Tyson, not what you said. You left me with that piece of shit, Rogar. <laughs> hey. You guys were a good couple, and I didn't want to interfere. Things were going well. Shit hit the fan as uh, soon as you left. Really? What happened? Look around you. And I pointed all the smoke and bodies. <laughs> I did this. Fievel <laughs> immediately feels responsible. No, he is pointing to the destruction, the chaos that's all around you guys. I take a sec to look around. Okay, yeah. So, Ryberry's gate busted apart. Wood splinters everywhere. Dead bodies all in the front uh, near the gate. Bodies piled outside, which you can hardly see from your angle. Okay, and there are uh, there you, the one body that you definitely see from your position is Ularic, who uh, about sixty feet from you and slumped up on top of the wall over the gate is his head down, slumped over, and looks pretty fucking dead. Okay, Rogar is speaking with Wolfhelm. And all around you, you see families torn apart, homes partially destroyed uh, due to looting, but also due to any of the creatures that got in the wall while that very large abyssal beast was beast was inside. Not to mention the exterior of Ryberry, which you would have seen on your way in. We've we've already talked about. So, uh, so is there anything else that you're looking to to look at specifically, or no, no, just a, a general glance? Yeah, Ryberry looks kind of kind of done fucked, my friend. Yeah, hey, you can hold the gate. <laughs> I sneezed, <laughs> and a fireball came out and destroyed Ryberry. Wow. Seems like your powers have got a lot stronger. You don't want to insight check something like that? <laughs> I believe it. I like, <laughs> I like you way wow. better than Rogar already. <laughs> so, Fievel Mazenthrov and Tyson McKay carrying on a discussion about what's happened to Ryberry. What would you guys like to say or do now? Where's Where's Jack Bauer? Around. <laughs> Roll me a fucking deception check. He is not around. Uh, let's say 18? 18. Fair enough. He's very convincing when he says around. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a, an 8. 
Yeah, he says around, and you you imagine that Jack Bauer couldn't fit through the sewer grate, which is about two and a half feet by two and a half. No, I start measuring. Two feet by I two say, feet. I think he could fit. <laughs> yeah. So you ask where Jack Bauer is, you say around. Anything else you'd like to ask, Fail and Lazenthrov? No, nope, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Let's continue on it. with the story. <laughs> Guess I better get back. <laughs> Wait, where have well, you where have you been for the last? Oh, bye. How long has it been? <laughs> uh, since you've seen Fievel? Yeah. Well, so you you entered Ryberry. You took about a week of downtime. I was uh, homeless for a week. And you yeah, you were homeless for a week. You took about a week of downtime, and it has been about eight nine days since all of this started. Almost a month. So near. So almost a month since you've seen Fievel Mazentrov. Where have you been? I missed you. Oh, oh my god, where do I start? And your name's well, not Fievel, it's Baxter. It's Baxter, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Man, you forgot the shtick, eh? <laughs> Been so long. Um, well, after we got denied at the gates, uh, we went on a little adventure, ran into some rats. There was a good one, a bad one. <laughs> they both didn't like me. I don't blame him. And, I mean, after that point, the bad one almost got me to kill Jack Bauer. I said no, ran ass, no, ran my ass out of there. Then, epic fight. A two-shot fight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, happens. He got cocky, didn't heal his beast. <laughs> he instantly killed his beast. He had nothing... Came all cocky to my boy Seska, knocked him out, saved his what, life. What is know? a Seska? Yeah, so I was about to say, you just mentioned Seska, you throw his name in there, he's got no idea. A crocodile. Roll Whoa. me a deception check. You said rats, you didn't say anything about crocodiles. What does that mean? It, you rolled it and it fell in a crack. <laughs> it means you re-roll. Don't ask me these fucking questions. 20! <laughs> no. Uh, it's a 5. No, but if you roll it on the point, it should be a 20. That's skill. No. Am I doing an insight? I, no, I, I'm glaring at him, yeah. but no one can obviously hear that. <clears throat> I don't feel well. So he's telling you about Seska and his downtime. Talking about uh, the, the rat, Beastmaster, who he fought and defeated. Anything else you'd like to like to tell our friend about? So yeah, after the big fight, went back to Seska. He didn't want me, so I left. Said something about me being too evil. I don't know. <laughs> this guy's crazy. It's not even close to what he said. <laughs> so we left, uh, traveling out on the road, giving Jack Bauer a nice bath. I felt like someone was watching me. Bunch of perverts in these woods, you know? <laughs> oh, I know. Peeping Toms, yeah. <laughs> Guys like Rogar. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. And that's where our story begins. Fievel, you and Jack Bauer find yourselves just chilling near a stream. You and Jack Bauer just taking some much-needed R&R, some rest and relaxation, if you will. So he's, he's in the... Is it a stream or a river? Yeah, so it's a stream, uh, and you guys find yourself... It's kind of winding around some rocks and trees, and there's a nice little pool, uh, which then, you know, has this, this nice 
cold, fresh stream of water moving in and then out of it. So the stream descends down from the north and then cuts uh, to the east. But this pool, uh, it's about 40, 45 feet wide. And there's actually a little tiny hump of, of earth in the center of it with a small tree. And Jack Bauer is just kind of, I mean, frolic is a strong word. I mean, he's a, he's a toad, you know what I mean? But he's just kind of letting that water soak in through his pores. You know, he's sitting in the cold water. You're just kind of, I imagine you resting your back up against a tree, maybe doing whatever Fable does, like no, no. writing I grab something. I my sponge and I wash Jack Bauer. And, okay, so you grab a sponge <laughs> and you wash him. Just like right. a car. Yep. Just, just like a car. Um, I don't know if you have a sponge, but just for the, the sheer... You know what? Sheer... I'm, I'm in the shallow end, just splashing. I know splashing. it's touching like, all his parts that are in the water already. That's all I can reach in the splash range. But you know mm. what? It's uh, the thought that counts. It's okay. So you are washing your giant toad in a stream. Excellent. Yes. Now, now, Jack Bauer kind of uh, slowly waddles his way, turns around to kind of look at you, and you guys kind of have this intimate moment, okay, where, you know, you're splashing with water, but he looks kind of somber as he as he looks at you. Don't give me those eyes, JB. <laughs> so he continues to give you those eyes, quote-unquote, um, and it seems like Jack Bauer, you know, he's, uh, he's a little bit worried, worried about you. That's the sentiment he's getting across. What? JP, come on. I've been carrying the weight all throughout this journey, and, you know, you've been a great mount and all, but without me, who are you kidding? Where would you be? <laughs> Fucking bullywood meat? Without Don't give me those me. eyes. I'm the alpha here, remember? Okay, so J- JP, uh, I'm going to roll first. I mean, he's not... <sighs> You kind of—he has a little bit of oh, not twenty. Jeez, wow! We're starting out the pod strong today, boys. Wow. So Jack Bauer, uh, you know, as you guys do, you kind of share those those sentiments and those thoughts. He just kind of displays all the times that he's kind of saved your ass in the past. You know that he's coming clutch, namely wow. running away from the rat folk, uh, the <laughs> den, and how he got you out of there. You know, because you know, you said it was what? What would he be without you? You know, he's kind of showing you. You know, he's, he's got power. He's got talent. You're right. You know what? I was out of line. I'm sorry. I kiss this giant frog or toad leg and say, there, there, beast. Okay. So so you and Jack Bauer are kind of having a lover's squabble for a second. Now, obviously, you guys are, are back to being fine. But Jack Bauer doesn't seem to be done with these sentiments. He he seems worried that, you know, it's just you and him on the road. He, he flashes back to thoughts of Tyson, to thoughts of Rogar, right? Uh, he liked Rogar for sure. He didn't super like Tyson, but who, are we, who does, right? You know what I mean? So, so, so he, he seems worried that, you know, you're just kind of not with your friends. Well, they left us. What do you want me to do, JB? Like, they won't let you in the gate. I'm obviously with you over them. Like, they didn't save my ass. You did. So it was an easy decision, and I'd do it all over again. Ooh, do it all over again. Okay, so JB uh, seems to leave it there, you know, but he, he can still feel him uh, just, you know, he, he misses his boys. He misses Tyson and, and Rogar for sure. Okay. So... I'm going to be rolling some dice here, Fiat, not to be alarmed or anything. Nope, but uh, but your passive perception is great enough that you notice some snapping of twigs, some movement in the trees to the northeast, which are past the, the pond, about 20 feet from the edge. So your keen mouse ears pick up some, some movement, some noise. 
Say JB, like what the fuck was that? JB, what the fuck was that? Okay, so you look at JB and you say, what the fuck was that? And Jack Bauer slowly walk, like turns his way towards the north. Are you doing like a perception check or what would you like to do? Oh, I'm sending Travis out for a nice little scouting mission. Okay, so you're summoning your ghost bird, Travis, and he is going to fly into the woods <laughs> to the north? He sure is. Okay, I so... I, I know it's been a while, bud, but I remember you. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should let the fan- We had a couple of fans being like, where's Travis? What happened to Travis? And Fievel and I were talking, he was like, I just got to pull out Travis more. <laughs> so this is the beginning of that, so that's sweet. Uh, so do you see what he sees, or does he have to come back and report to you? Um, we have telepathy as well, so he can uh, communicate. Okay, so your ghost bird takes flight and flies towards the northeast. Okay, doing a quick sweep. His telepathy lets you know that there are uh, men and women on horseback. Not just in the northeast, but you can also see some to the northwest. Oh, God. (sighs) JB, you know... Been a long time coming, and we just talked about how you saved my ass a bunch. And the the real thing is that I almost gave you up just for my own selfish needs, and that was that was wrong of me. And I know I'm deep down, I'm not kind of like done abusing my beasts yet. So I feel I feel you've done your part, and I I should just you know send you back. So whoa, whoa, enjoy so your life. Hold up. So you're sending JB away. Yeah. But there's guys to the northeast and the northwest. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's I put him through too much, and I know he wants to go back to Tyson and Rogar, but truth is I fucking hate those guys, so... <laughs> JB is going to keep reminding uh, me of their bullshit. Plus 250 then. experience points for that. I feel like that's that's deserving. Sweet. But the truth is, I fucking hate those guys. <laughs> so, so no, hold up here. Can, just, you, can you explain to our, our listeners a little bit, and also to me? Yep. Um, so, is it just for fear of Jack Bauer getting hurt here, or are you feeling like you might, might want a new beast? Like, what's going on here, man? Um, a mixture of the, the new beast action and also I've treated him like a piece of shit for a long time and you know what it's time it's time for him to go live a, a nice life you know one where he doesn't have to worry about some dumb mouse pulling him into dumb shit like you could just go back to eating giant insects you know that's I know so that's what he wants you want a simple life for him yeah okay alright so, like so you're, you're telling Jack Bauer that he's going on his way he looks at you with sadness in his eyes for sure and and he just he just seems uh, you know like, like just saddened I guess distraught that you're you're leaving him um, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say to him beyond what you said or I say remember everything and I'll find you someday this isn't goodbye forever unless I get brutally murdered but <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. Okay, so you're saying goodbye to Jack Bauer. Uh, He's saddened. If you... This is a good question, I guess, because this is a homebrew, your class. If you... Not discard, that's the wrong word, but if you choose to no longer use that beast, what happens to... Because Jack Bauer's got two heads. He shoots lightning and fire, ice (laughs) and fire, and he's also got a couple other enhancements... Does he continue to stay like that, do you feel? Or do you feel like you're just pulling your magic out of him? Because I don't know if you can... 
You know what I mean? Like, I, f- I feel as though he's grown like two heads. I'm, I'm not sure he'd just lose the other head all of a sudden. Yeah, I feel like he would lose some of his stuff. Like, I don't know. Because, like, I'm the source of his power, right? And if he's, like, dis- distancing himself from me, I just feel like, yeah, he might keep some of those. Like, definitely the two heads. But, like, he probably will lose, like, everything else that isn't uh, external, I guess. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have the, the fire and ice laser cannon shots anymore but maybe he still i feel like he still had the two heads not like one head just dies yeah or disappears so you give up your attachment to jack bauer this is a big move for your character my friend and jack bauer saddened just slowly begins to waddle his way out of the pond and begins to walk away I say, no, you jump with glory away from me, and I cast jump on him and smack him on the ass. <laughs> so, no, you, you you jump with glory away from me. So Okay, so you, you cast jump on him, you smack him in the ass. He does leap, and as you smack Jack Bauer in the ass and he jumps, men from the northeast and the northwest, as well as the south who were stealthy enough to avoid your your keen mouse ear detection, uh, begin to emerge from the forest. Most of them with longbows or crossbows trained on you. Mm. They, the, the last thing they see is Jack Bauer leap off to the woods to the south southeast. So he kind of crashes in the un, in the undergrowth there, and but they all keep their their crossbows and their their longbows trained on you. So Fiebel Mazenthrov, what you see is four men and one woman all clad in medium to heavy armor that is gold trimmed and lustrous black in its coloration okay many of them have capes which kind of uh, or at least shoulder capes which kind of trail down to the ground and the most illustrious the most uh, decorative part of their armor seems to be their shoulders or their pauldrons which are actually the heads of hawks and they're very mm. ornate yeah, so the, the the hawk's eyes gleaming, and their golden beaks uh, very sharp. Their eyes very fierce. As they all kind of have their trained crossbows and bows on you. Okay, what would you like to do? I say I've been expecting you. <laughs> okay, plus one inspiration point for Fievel bullshit. <laughs> okay. You say I've been expecting you. To which the man to the south. Uh, he is kind of uh, very plain in his features. He's got short brown hair, uh, which kind of flows naturally to the right. Uh, he has a smallish nose and brown eyes, but he is uh, clad in this heavy armor. He's, he's definitely not a, a scrawny man, uh, though he's, he's, he's not overweight, for sure. He's just very built, very tough. He marches towards you 10 feet, so he's about 15 feet from you, his crossbow trained on you, and he says, So you've been expecting us, eh? Yeah, you didn't hear me, Eagle Boy. <laughs> he looks to you and he says, We saw what you were doing with that toad there. Seems awfully nature magic of you. <laughs> yes, it seems romantic. No, I'm just kidding. Roll me a D20. Uh, 15. What is it? That's charisma. Okay, then uh, 17. So he looks to you and he says, I don't know about romantic, but it certainly seems very druid-like of you. Hmm. I, I chuckle. Okay, so you chuckle and he goes, what's so funny? He says, I'm, or he says, I'm not a druid. I'm a mouse. What? And mouse folk can't be druids? No. 
So he continues to look you up and down. He raises one hand, the hand that is, uh, you know, because his left hand is obviously carrying the weight of the crossbow's right hand. He lifts up and he motions with a, a beckoning motion for his men to kind of close in closer to you. So they all begin to walk closer. So two of them uh, to the northwest are across the stream. They've got longbows. And the two to the, the left, uh, to the north west are one's got a crossbow one's got a longbow and they seem to close around the other side of the stream because there's nothing nothing blocking them from from getting to you he looks to you and he says we're taking you in most folk whoa or what washing my giant toad in a stream yeah it's illegal to wash giant toads in this stream i'm just kidding (laughs) these are the tamrio planes i swear (laughs) he looks to you and he says we believe you to be a druid working with an order an order of clerics and druids, which has been causing trouble in these lands. If you can prove that you're not one, which would be hard to do, seeing as we just saw you imbue a creature with a spell and send him away, and a magical creature at that with two heads. So if you can prove that you're not one, then we can let you go. Okay, I'll be like, you know what? You're right. And then I'm gonna, like, like just, I guess, like, curl up in a ball and try and like push and I'm going to say I'm transforming into a bear and I'm going to just fake him out <laughs> okay so you get on the ground begin to writhe around curl up in a ball in your words and you're, you say I'm transforming into a bear can, can you roll me a performance check as this is really acting <laughs> so that one <laughs> So you're just writhing around on the ground screaming, I'm turning into a bear. Uh, it's not very convincing. The guy kind of just like lets his shoulders drop a little bit and he just says, get up. Get Enough it. of this foolishness. I say, well, put him on then. Take me to your camp. Okay. So he whistles and he calls his boys over. Uh, and one woman and they very quickly uh, tie your hands with rope and put a bag over your head oh say so I've, I've heard stories of the hawk folk and never have I been bagged before <laughs> he looks to you and he says we're not hawk folk mouse yeah. I ask what his name is he, you know, you can kind of see light and shadows and, and general shapes through the, the rucksack-style bag, the, the cloth-style bag that's over your head. He walks you over, kind of pushes you towards what you notice to be a horse, and he sends, the name's Trenton, but let's keep the chit-chat to a minimum, all right? Roger that. I don't want you casting a spell on me. You want to jump, boy? <laughs> <laughs> so they pick you up. And place you on the back of a horse. The warrior uh, who was speaking to you originally, who you know to be Trenton, mounts the horse, and he looks around to his men and says, Let's ride. And they begin to canter their way through the forest. (sighs) I have an idea. Okay, what would you like to do? Am I facing backwards, like on the arse of the horse? No, you're facing forwards. You're facing Trenton. But are my hands able to touch the horse? You are have your hands tied. You could kind of um, lean them to one side and touch the side of the horse, I suppose. I'm going to attempt. Okay, so I'm going to let you do it. Like, you can touch okay. the horse. Sweet. I'm going to use wild empathy and try and commandeer this vessel. <laughs> okay, so you're going to use wild empathy to commandeer the horse. Uh, you are blindfolded. 
bag over your head, and you also have rope tied around your hands. This is going to go well, I feel. Uh, how does wild empathy work? Are you? Is the horse rolling something? Or are you rolling something? Uh, I'm rolling something. Okay, what, what are you rolling? Uh, uh, D twenty, and I guess depending on how well I do it, like the horse might or might not listen to me. Okay, cool. So you're gonna add your spellcasting modifier to that? Yes. Sweet. Let's do it. I'm gonna use that inspiration point you gave me. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a critical moment here. Fair enough. Okay, that's a nineteen. Thank God Ooh. I rolled. Yeah, man, that is that is certainly good enough. You, your mind and the horse's mind link momentarily. You feel that the horse is he's he's fairly confident, fairly uh, fairly strong. He's, he's definitely a war horse of some sort. Um, definitely seen combat before. He's very sturdy. And he also has a you know horses obviously are very uh, not emotional per se, but they definitely listen to their and they like their owners. And he seems to like Trenton sincerely. But a nineteen is pretty good. So you kind of call out to him with your wild empathy, and what are you what are you expressing to this horse? Well, that's that's what I was gonna look for. I was gonna see if this guy treated his horse with some care, you know, or if he was abusive. Like I just want to know these Trenton things. seems to to treat him very well. He gets apples frequently. He gets to drink water when he needs to. Wow! All good things. Okay, I'll I'll leave it at that. We'll we'll keep the bond going, but we'll we'll keep rolling on. Okay, so you're keeping the bond with the horse. Okay, I understand. So, you guys ride through the day, and the hottest part of the day is actually not too bad for you guys as you're mostly under tree cover, okay? You can't see where you're going, you just know that you're in shade. Um, And it is into the evening, actually quite late to be setting up camp, that the horse stops, comes to a halt, and you are picked up and set down off of the horse. Okay. Uh, the the men and the woman are all speaking. Uh, Trenton is telling them uh, different tasks that they have to do. Some of them have to set up the you know they have to set up their bedrolls. He wants a fire to get going, right? And you are sat down on a log beside the woman who's currently making the fire, and the uh, the sack is pulled off of your head so you can see. <gasps> yeah, big gasp <laughs> for sure. So uh, she looks to you as. Your uh, sack is pulled off of your head, and she doesn't smile, but she nods at you curtly. Say, uh, greetings. She looks to you and she says, greetings, mouse folk. What, what can I do for you? You can sit right there and not try to make any quick movements so that I don't shoot you. I've already commandeered your horse. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's going to insight check that. With an 18, she looks over to the horse who, well, Trenton's horse. He doesn't seem to be doing anything odd. She looks to you. She sees that you're sincere, but she just doesn't know how you could have possibly commandeered the horse because you're not sitting on it. So she looks to you and she says, I'm sure you think you have. <laughs> so, uh, what's the deal? Like, we're, we're chilling at camp. I- it's nice that you put a fire right by my side, you know? It's a little bit brisk this time of year. Well, we treat our prisoners well, mouse folk. Good to hear. You're, the horse says that Trenton treats him well as well. So you are a druid, then? You speak to animals? Well, no. I'm a, I'm a beast master. A beast master. Difference. I can't, I can't morph into animals. 
the only, I guess, like, power I have is that I can, uh, like, get animals to aid me in battle, or just, like, whenever. Well, I guess all will be seen in time. We have someone who is experienced in the ways of the arcane, and he will determine what you really are. All right. Um, well, we Until will see. then, she says, she tosses a ration at your chest, and it kind of, you can roll me a dex saving throw, I guess, check to see if uh, if you catch it. It's uh, a 14. Nice. So you, you snag it out of the air. It's just a loaf of bread, and you, I'm assuming, begin to gnaw at it. You haven't eaten anything since breakfast. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. So uh, the fire is lit. The bedrolls are out, and everyone <clears throat> quickly hunkers down, taking off the heavier parts of their armor and setting them up against trees. They get themselves some food, and Trenton deals out the watch. So he says, I'll take watch first with the mouse. And then he orders the others to, to figure out who's going next and after that. There's very little speaking around the fire. They're very aware that they're in the presence of someone who is, you know, an outsider. So they don't seem to speak about uh, internal matters too much. And very quickly head to bed. There's no, no, no fuss and no messing around. But Trenton sure. stays up, sitting uh, on the other side, across from the fire, across from you and looking at you intently okay so no marshmallows s'mores like come on yeah there are no marshmallows (laughs) in this world so you just sound like a (laughs) lunatic he looks to you and he says you're going to want to get some rest mouse folk well a couple questions you owe me that I owe you nothing I commandeered your horse you owe me that (laughs) (laughs) he looks to you and he says you have a strange way about you, Mouse. Commandeered my horse. What exactly do you mean? Well, all those apples and water you've been feeding it? Yeah, not going to do it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> he seems confused by what you're saying, and he says, What do you mean you commandeered my horse? Well, let's just say if it were to help you or help me, it would help me. <laughs> so you use magic on it. I mean, it's more of a natural beast sense, not magic. I feel like this will be a very quick determination as to whether or not you are a druid. You seem to be quite free in giving up that information. Would a would a smart druid just throw away all his druid plans to you? Like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a beast master, not a druid. I mean, if you if you're so ready to murder me. Why don't you just throw me in the fire, you know? Oh, we won't be throwing you in any fire. Or killing you. We'll spend the rest of your days in Oskenheim. In our deep cells. Hmm. Alright. Well, so... Yeah, you know what? That's it. I'm gonna go to bed. Of this I thought you were so. putting your foot down. This is going to be something like a, a moment where you lash out, but no, you're just going to go to bed. <laughs> okay. Fianna Mazenthrov, you head to bed, and the night is uneventful. Waking up early in the morning, just as the sun begins to rise on the horizon, you are kicked awake by one of the warriors clad in armor. You're not kicked okay. hard. You're just nudged okay. more. I was going to say, you... <laughs> Dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I wake. 
Okay. So you wake up, your little mouse nose quivering, smelling away. You know, you kind of rub the, the dirt from your eyes and kind of gaze up. All of the men, save for Trenton, are uh, atop their horses. So Trenton looks to you and says, Come on, mouse folk. We want to get there by midday. Okay. I, uh, I lift my hands up in the air and I say, Lift me. Okay, so he rolls his eyes slightly as he lifts you onto the back of the horse. <laughs> Getting on himself, he looks to all the men and his and the one woman amongst them, and they begin to ride, continuing uh, along these small forest trails. Okay, so wait, uh, my hands aren't bound anymore. Now your hands are bound uh, okay. for sure, and the bag is put over your head again. <laughs> yes, they don't Just... want you to see where they're going. <laughs> Okay, so you ride throughout the morning, and the warriors do not take a break. They continue to ride uh, until about midday, when the horses come to a uh, a slow trot. You can feel the difference uh, of their hooves on the ground, as they seem to be clacking on what seems to be stone. The man, Trenton, turns around and pulls the bag off of your head. Now that you don't know the way to where you are, and you can't denote the path or, or, or the route, you look and you see uh, quite uh, an amazing sight, for sure. Oh. Carved into the side of a mountain, there is a fortress. You guys are currently on horseback, and you are walking across a very narrow stone bridge, which has two large pillars behind you and two large pillars at the front uh, of either side of the bridge, and a chasm sits beneath you. It looks like easily a few hundred foot fall. This fortress, which is built into the, the side of the mountain, cannot be accessed, it seems, any other way but by the sheer cliff face atop it, but this chasm seems to, to wrap around it so that it's, it's pretty much defensible uh, and impregnable. There are two very large towers on either side of an archway, and there are stone uh, reliefs, carvings, into the mountain, which depict very strong warriors, it appears. There are also red banger- banners hanging from uh, these towers, and two large axes are carved into the relief on the mountainside. As you approach, there are guards still clad in black and gold armor, which stand uh, f- not on the on the. They stand only on the mountains on the mountain side of the chasm. They don't stand on the other side, right? Um, and as you guys uh, pass them, they all nod at the men clad in armor, the warriors on horseback. So there are archers posted on either side of the towers of this fortress, and these towers are easily 100, 150 feet tall. So they've got quite a quite a view of this open courtyard in front of the archway. So, as you approach the very large archway, Trenton looks back to you and says, Behold, mouse folk, the veritable fortress of Oskenheim. Say, I'm uh, not much for architect and all those stone carvings back there, but not bad. Enjoy your last few breaths of fresh air. If we find you to be a druid, they may be your last. Hmm, we shall see. Okay, so you pass through the very large archway of stone. It is nearly 30 feet tall. And as you enter the large antechamber, kind of the foyer, if you will, of this fortress, it is immense, almost 60 feet wide and 50 feet long. Uh, There are pillars along each side, 
and it looks like there's an open doorway to the left about halfway through the room. Uh, this appears to be simply just a, a gathering, uh, hall, like a hall where you would have many of your soldiers, if anyone were to make it past the, the bridge, and if anyone were to make it past that entrance uh, courtyard area of stone where those towers can, you know, pelt them with arrows, this would be the room where you'd have all your men kind of together, right? Mm-hmm. The men uh, drop off their horses and a few of the soldiers inside take them uh, through the doorway to the left. Horses are kept inside uh, so because there's no real spots outside for them to be kept. Continuing on foot, they march you straight through, past the pillars, and into a very large, what appears to be a throne room of sorts. There are pillars along the sides of the wall, all with ornate carvings in them. There are banners of red, as well as banners of uh, black and gold. Seems like, you know, two very different styles of banners here, not just one. Okay. There is also a very large plateau, kind of a riser with uh, that is square, almost 40 feet by 40 feet. There are different steps up towards a, a, a throne. Okay. This throne is carved of stone and has a, an arched, kind of semicircular back to it, uh, but it is also very ornate. And sitting upon it is a man also clad in this heavy gold and black armor. He has a beard which is brown and is knotted at the bottom, and he also has uh, his hair pulled back into a bun. At his side is a very long sword, and it is in a sheath. And the sheath uh, looks very interesting. It's all, almost like it's uh, it's that same illustrious black and gold, but the hilt of the sword is what's very cool. So that the the handle appears to be two and a half hand. So it's very long hilt, and there's a very wide cross guard on it. He sits surrounded by various individuals. To his right, a woman stands. Uh, and she is incredibly beautiful. Okay? Very long brown hair, uh, deep gazing eyes, and strong features. She also wears the medium armor of this eagle people, or hawk people as you call mm. them. Okay, So she's to his right. To his left, there are two individuals which appear very out of place. One who you notice to be, uh, I mean, uh, uh, well, let's, well, let's start with this. Have you ever seen a gnome before? No. No, you wouldn't have seen a gnome. So he just looks like a very small individual, but he's definitely older. It's not like he's a child. You can tell that it's a full-grown <sighs> person, but he is a gnome. He is clad in normal clothes, and uh, he stands immediately to the left of the man in the throne. And to the gnome's left is a creature which, even though he stands on the lower steps, is taller than the gnome. <laughs> and he is very clearly not a human. He appears to be made of metal and wood, and he stands almost seven and a half feet tall. He's got oh weapons all over his body, and he appears to wear uh, normal armor. Doesn't appear to be the black and gold armor that these guys are wearing. It's at this point that I'd like to introduce to the pod are two new players, the gnome and uh, the large metal man. Welcome to the pod, guys. Glad to be here. Yo, yo, yo. All right. Um, you, we'll save introductions for when you guys actually have some time to talk it out, uh, but for now, you just know them as gnome guy or small, small man and uh, and the big metal dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh, right. Oh, man. So intrigued. <laughs> you're intrigued. <laughs> so you walk towards uh, the throne 
and you are just with a hand on your shoulder. Trenton kind of pushes you forward so that you stand in front all by yourself. Mm-hmm. He speaks then to the man on the throne, and he says, Sir, we found this mouse folk, possibly a druid, on the outskirts of our territory. As per your request, we brought him in for questioning. The man stands from his throne. He's quite tall and around 6'2", 6'3", but his face, though hard and seems like strong of conviction, he, he doesn't look like he's this, a bad guy per se. You know what I mean? He seems to have this, this air of righteousness about him. He looks to you and he steps down a few steps from his throne and he says, My name is Victor, Victor Brighton, leader of the Keepers, and you are... Uh, Baxter Mausentrov from the Rimouski tribe. Roll me a fucking deception check. Your name is not Baxter. It's um, with a 20, not not. <laughs> it might be. He's going to roll insight on it regardless, but he does not roll high enough. That's an 8. So he says, Baxter of the Rimouski tribe. We have brought you in because we have information intelligence which has been gathered by the keepers that there is something something sinister afoot in these lands we have already captured one druid and her confessions have been most illuminating as to this plan which seems to be afoot we wish to see whether you are a druid and if you are if you are of the same faction as this druid we've captured okay um he Man. turns and begins to walk back to the throne. He says, what is the evidence against him? And Trenton steps forward and says, he was in a stream, sir, with a two-headed giant toad. They seem to be communicating. He also professed to being able to commandeer my horse and speak with it. <laughs> I think it's inevitable, undoubtable that he is a druid. Victor Brighton turns and sits at his throne. He then looks left and slightly downwards towards the gnome, and he says... Dabbledob, you are well-versed in these matters. Tell me, is he a druid? Uh, well, let's just go take a closer look here. Okay, so so you're looking to, to, to kind of inspect him physically? Yes. Okay, okay so... <laughs> Dabble- I'm like little Dabbledob running around, like, sniffing under his armpits, <laughs> and pulling at him, and... Well, we'll let Dabbledob... Uh, take so, a hair, like, smell it, maybe eat it a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dabbledob, you're gonna descend down the steps... And what would you like to do? So you're face-to-face with Baxter, quote-unquote, uh, of the Ramuski <laughs> tribe. He is a mouse folk, and you probably have encountered a couple mouse folk on your various travels. Um, essentially, he weighs about 40 pounds to 50 pounds at the, the, the bigger end of things. He's two and a half, three feet tall, so pretty much the same size as you. The only things that are kind of remarkable about him from a distance, or, or at least on the, on the exterior, is that he has four arms. <laughs> So that's definitely unique, for sure. <laughs> so what would you like to do? Um, so what I would like to do is uh, just pull out my little dagger. Okay. And uh, I'm just going to kind of run my hand across his back. Mm. And then as I do it, can I, like, tingle, shock, and grasp along his back? So you're going to shock and grasp him? I don't want to shock and grasp shit. him, but I want to, like, tingle his back. You want to tingle his back? Yes. I don't know... You know, what? I'll let you. I'll let you do it. I guess I'll let you do shocking grasp. Um, Hit me. <laughs> Take it. I, I'm a druid. <laughs> I'm a druid. I'm a druid. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, so you want to... So I'll just let you shock him a little bit. Yeah, just we'll, a little shock. Yeah, but you, I, we'll say you're in control of it. You take one damage, Fievel. You fucker. <laughs> you. Okay, so you're shocking grasping. What was the what was the desired effect here? Like, what did you want to find out? I just wanted to shock him a little bit. <laughs> 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 it's for season one. This was an elaborate <laughs> test, and it's not... Um, so you're, you're kind of shocking Grasp's back. You do one damage because you're not trying to hurt him too much, yeah. right? And what else would you like to do? Uh, with the dagger that I have in my hand, I'm going to cut a few strands of hair off. Okay, so you cut some hair off of Fievel Mazenthrow. Fievel, how do you react to that? Not happy. Yeah, not happy, for yeah, sure. So you're going to say anything to him? Back. <laughs> I'm going to want those back. Okay, <laughs> what would you like to do with his hair? Uh, I'm going to smell it. Okay, so you smell his hair. It's very clear that he hasn't bathed in a long time. You're a uh, quite swampy mouse, eh? Say, so, uh, yeah, you know, and just a uh, lot going on. Don't really have time to clean myself, you know? Maybe you should known, start. Uh, I would have been commandeered here and brought to this lovely place, and I start, like, pointing around. <laughs> I maybe would have bathed. Okay, that's it. I've made my decision. Okay, so Dabbledub turns towards Victor Brighton, and you say you've made your decision. Yeah. Okay. What, what is your decision? I stick my thumb sideways. Oh, God, we're going, we're going uh, gladiator style <laughs> here. And I'll give him a thumbs down. Uh, a thumbs down. You, you're determined that he's as a druid. In, no, as in, he's not a druid. Okay. <laughs> so Victor Brighton looks at you for a moment as you put your thumb down, and he goes, So, so is he or is he not a druid? <laughs> Thumbs down means no. Come on. <laughs> so, Listen. <laughs> so Tabletop, kind of talking down to everyone, says that obviously that means he's not a druid. Uh, there's a couple sighs of relief, and Victor Brighton looks to uh, Trenton and says, remove his rope, please. So, Fievel, you are released from your bonds, and you are now a free mouse. Wow. Well, Anything you'd like to say to the group? I, uh... I thank the gnome for his analysis. I, I say I told that Trenton guy I wasn't a, a druid. I even tried to shapeshift into a bear, and it did not work. <laughs> so for determining that he's not a druid by whatever crazy means you use there, I'm going to hand you 150 experience points for addressing the court. <laughs> okay. <coughs> so Victor Brighton, still sitting upon the throne, says... My apologies for your treatment, Baxter. You have to understand that these are dangerous times we find ourselves in. I mean, since I'm not a druid, like, do you want to enlighten me on the problem? I might be able to help. Victor Brighton is about to speak when footsteps from a hallway to the right uh, emanate through the, the echoey chambers, and you turn to the right to see a very familiar face, clad in shiny armor, uh, metal armor with white and blue sigils and colors. It is Orin of the ah. Knights of the New Moon who steps forth. I he know stops him. His tra- <laughs> <laughs> yes, Fiat, you know him. You see, <laughs> I know him. Uh, here's a good question, which I, I need to know the answer to. Does he know you as Fievel or Baxter? Baxter. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, okay, so wait. he steps from the hallway to the right. No, he knows. S- oh shit! No, he knows me as Fievel. Does he? Yeah, because when Arda was sick, she called me Fievel, and like Ooh. at that point, I didn't really tell him my name. 
So then everyone's in for a rough shock here as the first thing you uttered was a lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he stops in his tracks, kind of looking shocked at you, and he says, Fievel. And then everyone kind of looks around and goes, Fievel. That bastard. He <laughs> lied to me. <laughs> Victor Brighton turns towards Oren and says, Do you know this mouse folk? And Oren says, Of course I know him. That's Fievel. We, we were on the road together. You're supposed to be in Ryberry. Yeah, about that. Those two, you made it out. Well, those two dipshits, the fire guy and frickin' uh, Bright Lord, didn't pack me up when I wanted to bring my giant toad into the gate, and because of that I was refused entry. Fievel, this is wondrous news. What do you mean? Well, you don't know. No. Fievel, Ryberry's under attack. By whom? So he turns towards Victor Brighton, who then nods, and Oren looks to you, Fievel, and says, We have a lot to discuss, Fievel. Perhaps it's best that we sit and talk. Victor Brighton nods and stands. The woman to his right, he uh, like puts a hand on her shoulder, and she steps out and through uh, the, the left passageway. So she's gone. Okay. He turns towards... Dabbledob, the gnome, and the large metal man, and <laughs> and he says, you may join us if you wish. Oh, for sure. Okay, so Victor Brighton, Orin, Dabbledob, large metal man, and Fievel Mausenthrov, who everyone now knows to be Fievel instead of Baxter, <laughs> all step into the room to the right. There is a very large circular stone table, and everyone pulls up a seat. Okay, the large stone man I'm imagining pulls out the seat for the gnome as they're heavy seats, but it's up to you. Yeah, yeah you're going to help oh, him yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the dude can't get through day-to-day life without me. He's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like the underappreciated butler in the background. You know, I do everything and he takes all the glory <laughs> because he's the one who talks a lot. You'll never be peepers. <laughs> okay. So everyone takes a seat and... Oren looks to Victor Brighton and says, I suppose our story begins with the siege of Ryberry. Fievel, I had thought that you had entered the city, and that's why I didn't go looking for you. But I headed out that morning, after we arrived, to go hunting and take some time for myself. From the woods, I saw the Iron Wolves, a group of mercenaries, bandits, barbarians at best, attack Ryberry. In mm. the hours that passed, they very quickly seized control of our town. I knew that approaching the town, I wouldn't be able to change anything or sway the tide. So I, I bid my time, and I sat in the woods watching. It's very clear that they weren't coming out. Whatever they came there for, they were still in the process of acquiring. I didn't know where to turn. The nearest headquarter of the Knights of the New Moon was half a world away. And I didn't know what the Iron Wolves were doing there, but I knew it couldn't be good. So I began my journey east, towards Oskenheim. As the Knights of the New Moon and the Keepers have always shared a mutually beneficial arrangement. Victor Brighton nods at this. He says, It was then, as they say, that the plot thickened. I was in a hide, up high in a tree. And underneath me, throughout the night, I was awoken to find creatures passing underneath me. Not very perceptive, but great in number. These creatures, the best I can describe them as, 
began to march underneath me towards Ryberry. Some were men and women, druids very clearly by their garb and by their magics. And there were large, hulking creatures, trolls, decaying from the outside and in, as well as mushroom-like creatures, myconids as you might know them, all mm-hmm. marching towards Ryberry, as well as these bloated and sick undead, these creatures covered in lesions and pores. I kept myself quiet up in that tree. I knew that if I moved, they might spot me. But it was very clear by their march that they were headed towards Ryberry. There's nothing else in that direction for them to to seek. It was then that I knew I had to double my pace, so I headed towards Oskenheim and alerted the keepers. And that's where things got really interesting. So Victor Brighton turns towards you, Fievel, and he says, I am certain you don't know of our order. No idea. No offense, I'm just... I don't dabble into civilization much. I would be offended if you did know of us. Mm. We work very hard to keep our order very secret. You see, the keepers have stood since the beginning of the reign of the kings and queens of Elion. We are twofold in our mission. The first is to protect the rightful heir to the throne. And the second is to protect our realm from, how do I put it lightly, the blood war, I suppose. Do you know of it? No. Since the beginning, Fievel, the Abyssal Hordes and the Legions of the Nine Hells have fought to gain control of the cosmos. Demons spill forth from the Abyss into Avernus, which is in the uppermost levels of the Hells, and the, de- the Devils defend ferociously and counter-strike the demons. This war has raged for thousands of years, but it is not, how we put it, a destructive war. You see, it's contained within the Nine Hells and within the Abyss, and it's mutually beneficial for everyone else that this war continues to exist. You see, if the Devils were to win, they would seek to regain control of the cosmos, as they believe themselves to be the rightful rulers over all living things. If the demons win, and the devils do not stand in their way any longer, they would simply spill forth from the abyss and rain destruction wherever they could. The demons continue to fight because they know that if they don't, the devils will wipe them out as they head into the abyss. And the devils fight as a matter of pride, but also because if they stop fighting the demons, they will undoubtedly overtake the Nine Hells. It's important that this war continues, and so the Keepers ensure that it does. You see, every few thousand years, some archdevil or some demon prince will seek to gain a stronghold on the mortal plane. In doing so, they might add a new horror to their legions, or perhaps gain an artifact that will sway the tide of this war. But we don't want that to happen. So the Keepers, this secret society you see before you, have pledged our lives to keep the balance between demons and devils. The secret society has been at the core of every human seat of power since the First Age. Every king and queen was sworn to our order, as ruling over men means understanding our precarious role in this eternal conflict. And this is a dance, a very dangerous dance, Fievel. The battle lines between demons and devils writhe like a snake, and eventually, one side may win. We cannot have that. We saw an increase in activity in druids, changing the landscape as they went around Oskenheim. These were the precursors to the hordes that Orin saw on his way to us. We managed to capture one, and what we learned was more sinister than we had thought. 
These druids, these clerics, seem to be followers of Zugtmoy. She is one of the weaker demonic princes. She is the prince of rot, decay, and destruction. Diseases follow her wherever she goes, and if she gains a foothold here, she could certainly gain power and change the tides of the eternal conflict. Why are they heading to Ryberry? That was our next question. You see, we have many archives here, as Dabbledob knows, and we had been searching for the answers, but she was altogether very compliant in giving them. You see, structured beneath Ryberry, deep underneath the ground, there is an ancient temple to Zugtmoy, and within it, an artifact, one of great power, that will certainly lend her the ability to wipe out legions of the Nine Hells. I'm no fan of devils, but if legions of the Nine Hells fall, the Abyss would stand a better chance of overtaking them. So that is where we stand now. Just mind blown. <laughs> Just mind blown. <laughs> Victor Brighton looks to you, Fievel. He says, It will take us time to muster our men to head towards Ryberry. We have almost 700 strong, so once we arrive, it shouldn't be a problem. But we've been wanting to know more about what we're facing here. Our scouts have made it clear that there was a conflict within the walls of Ryberry, to what extent we don't know but it's very clear that Zugtmoy's forces have not breached the walls entirely. While we are mustering our men, Orin, as well as Dabbledob, and... Gregory. This name's Gregory. <laughs> and the Warforged known as Gregory have decided that they will head there as a preliminary attempt to undermine the efforts of Zugtmoy. Our druid that we captured has been rather unwilling to discuss the specifics of what this artifact is, but she does note that it is powerful and is something that her demon lord, her prince, dearly wants. So, I leave it to you. You are a free mouse, but this conflict affects us all. You know the people inside those walls, as well as Orin, and my men will need you on the inside. Someone of your stature and of your skills could certain be, certainly be useful in this battle. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I, I uh, sent my beast away because, uh, well, the long story, but I almost got him killed. But because of that, I had to send him off, and now I'm just kind of on the lookout for something else. Well, I'm not sure how much time you'll have to find a new beast. Perhaps on your way to Ryberry if you find something... However, I now need to head down to the cells. I have a few words I need to exchange with our prisoner friend. I will leave you here to discuss your plan with Orin and Dabbledob. Okay. So Victor Brighton stands, turns, not before nodding towards Dabbledob and Orin, and walks very quickly uh, through a door to the north. So you guys entered this room from the, the large chamber. He's not going back through there. He's going through a smaller door to the north and down towards the cells, which leaves you in a room with Dabbledob, the large Warforged, and Orin. Orin looks towards you, Fievel, and he says, I know you don't work well with others ordinarily, Fievel, but it's important that we're all on the same page here. The very balance of the material plane hangs before us. If the scales tip in one favor or the other, we lose. We also need to 
consider that our friends are fighting a war on two fronts. Hopefully they've put aside their differences with the Iron Wolves to work together, but we could be facing more than one enemy once we reach Ryberry. Mm. So, I formally introduce you to Dabbledob Doppet, the wizard, and his companion. Sidekick. <laughs> not sidekicks. <laughs> so, so the Warforge speaks, even though his mouth does not move, and there's no expression on his face. As he's, his face is metal, and he just says, not sidekick. I now leave the floor open to you guys to share as much as you'd like to share and become acquainted with each other, as that is the goal here. Right. So, Fievel, how do you do? I don't want to be insulting or anything, but you're, you're a little short for a human. And you're a little hairy for a mouse. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> oh, but he is a mouse, though, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just a little more hairy than regular mouses. No, you know? I, uh, I, I just mean I've, I've never seen... I guess like a human of your size before. Yeah, uh, that's a problem, but you know, I get by. <laughs> you're not going to tell him you're a gnome? <laughs> <laughs> not human. <laughs> so yeah, so the big Warforge says not human. Not oh. supposed to give away my secrets. Thank you. God damn it, uh, Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> God. Just looked at him, then back to Fiel. <sighs> yes, I am a gnome. A gnome. Yes, a gnome. Okay, and is that that's just normal that all gnomes are your size? Yes, it's quite normal for me. Huh. Wow. You know what? This this is nice. You know, I don't have to look up to someone. This is this is great. Straight eye contact. Yeah, it's fine. nice. <laughs> I have to look at this dummy all the time. I'm looking up to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd like to say, Gregory? <laughs> No, no comment on that. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so Oren looks to Fievel and he says, Dabbledob is a very experienced wizard. Oh, well, that's good. I'm not that great with magic, so it's, it's good to have someone on the team that is. And Dabbledob, Fievel is what's known as a Beastmaster. I personally did not know that they existed, but he shares very special relationships with beasts and animals of all kinds. Hmm. Interesting. And then Oren looks towards the big metal man sitting at the table, and he says, Fievel, this is a Warforged. I sincerely believe you would not have heard of them if you hadn't heard of gnomes, but Warforged are sentinel creatures created for war. Gregory's actual name... I suppose he can share with you. But he is a companion to Dabbledob on his adventures. They've been with the Keepers for some time now, sharing their talents for information that lie within Oskenheim's walls, as there is a vast library here. Hmm. Well, nice to meet you, Gregory. And you. <laughs> Say how... So... What, what is a... Oh, you said a Warforge? A Warforge, Yes. Perhaps I'll let Dabbledob explain as he's a little bit more well-versed in these matters. Well, you were created by uh, Hobgoblins. Um, I would let him tell the story, but it would take years. years. (laughs) (laughs) I I got time. You got time? Well, uh, the city doesn't really, so... (laughs) The city doesn't. (laughs) Well, what do you want to know about this guy? We're just like, what is he? Why is he all... Uh, well, he's made of metal, wood. What else is there, partner? Stone. Stone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he's a, he's yeah, a I don't know. killing he's just, machine? He's, he's my buddy. He helps me out. Killing machine is a little bit derogatory, Fievel, but in all, for all purposes, yes. The Warforged were created to be soldiers, scouts, juggernauts that were sent into battle. The story of how uh, Dabbledob found Gregory is quite an interesting one, but he is from a time long ago when wars were waged between Warforged. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm just going to take take it in and uh, try and get used to this giant metal guy being by my side. But this is nice. I'm glad you're on my team. Me too. <laughs> okay, so the Warforged, in, in very few words, expresses that he is also glad to be part of your team. You're each going to gain 150 experience points for making new friends. Wow. Yo, 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 guess who leveled up? <laughs> wow. So we got to level up in the house. Congratulations, Dabble Dab. 300 XP, baby. 300 XP. Yeah. So Oren looks to the group and says, four men. Well, three in a Warforged, I suppose. Three and a half. <laughs> we need to determine how we're going to go about this. Our objectives are as follows. The greater one is obviously to expel the threat of Zugtmoy. To do so, we'll need to stop them from recovering their artifact. Perhaps the best way to do so would be to recover it ourselves. The Keepers have many different blueprints, maps, of the old temple of Zugtmoy, which sits underneath Ryberry. The best way to access it is most likely through the well. There is a collapse, which happened some years ago. The town felt it. Past that collapse, those boulders and that rubble, there is a small shaft which will lead to the ancient temple. We need to get inside the city, and that may be a problem. But walking during day and approaching during daytime would most likely be better for us, as these creatures seem to thrive at night. Once we're inside, we'll need to let everyone know what we're up against and help them fortify. Our Warforged friend might be best on the front lines, but I don't know what lies beneath Ryberry in that ancient temple. So there could be things there that we need to tackle as a team. Perhaps the skills of Tyson or Rogar would also be best suited below. But if they have a full-blown war on their hands between the Iron Wolves, as well as Zugtwai's forces, we might have to do this alone. There is another alternative, a much sneakier one. We could head towards a series of caves, which is also on these maps and blueprints said to lead directly to the Temple of Zugtmoy. However, those caves could have her forces inside them already. There's a chance that they're focusing their efforts on the main gate of Ryberry, but who's to know? Is uh, my good old pal Gregory going to fit in the caves? I believe so. They don't appear to be so miniature that only you and Fievel could make it. Any medium-sized creature should be fine. Hmm. Sweet. I don't want to lose my partner, you know? (laughs) I believe it's best that we take the night, rest here, get any supplies that we need, and then head out in the morning. Does everyone agree? Agreed. Yeah. Yes, little men eat lots. (laughs) (laughs) You don't eat anything. No food necessary. Yeah. So the Warforged does not need to eat, though he can if he wishes. He also can't get drunk. A very contentious point in our character creation segment earlier. He was like, (laughs) I want to get drunk. I was like, I think you can, man. (laughs) So, Oren looks to the group and says, two days is what Victor Brighton has promised. In two days, he and his men can begin their march towards Ryberry. They'll be slower than we are, 
as they are a formidable force moving together as a unit. But we can be quick and speedy if we can. We don't want to take away resources from the main troops, so three horses should suffice. One for myself, two for our smaller compatriots, and then hey, one... Yeah, well, we get to ride together. One for the war The road there might be treacherous. As you've already noticed, there's been an increase in the druid activity, and there are recent bandit attacks through the region outside Oskenheim. So, we will need to be careful. Okay. All right. Gentlemen... Do what you need to do. Recover what you need to recover and gain anything you need to gain while you're here. Because tomorrow morning, bright and early, we ride for Ryberry. Wait, what plan are we doing? I leave that up to us. Okay. Going towards the main gate could meet resistance from Zugtomoy's forces. I don't think we have to worry about being fired upon from inside the walls, but if the Iron Wolves are in control, I doubt they will ask questions first and shoot later, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the safest and, I guess, most intelligent route would be to take the caves. Perhaps. We will go over the plans once we reach closer to Ryberry, but first we need to focus on getting there in one piece. Agreed. Gentlemen, take your rest. I leave you here. So Oren stands and exits and leaves the three of you together. Uh, what time is it? It is currently around 7 to 8 p.m. in the evening time. Alrighty. Um, we're leaving around, what, 6 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, 5, 6. Well, I'm headed to bed. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you stand up and say you're heading to bed. The Warforge stands with you, I'm assuming. Yes. But, but and... no, Warforge, Gregory. Uh, yes. Shouldn't should we discuss like what plan we want to do? Just so when Oren asks, we're kind of we've already got an idea. Like caves. Yeah. So the Warforged likes the caves idea. So that's that's good. Okay. Any ideas, Double Dom? Uh, I'm more of an upfront kind of guy. I like the gates. Okay. Well, just for people our size, you know, if there's a bunch of rubble to clear and all that stuff, I just feel like we'd be useless and it would take more time. I know I may look strong, but, you know. <laughs> you know. I could curl pebbles, but not boulders. <laughs> Beastmaster, no beast. <laughs> Must be tough. What'd you say? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I think the Warforge is just calling you out on not being tough. Oh. But I could be wrong. No, I'm just oh. saying it must be tough being a Beastmaster without a beast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it must be. Um, yeah, I mean, the Warford, you can move stuff. You're strong, right? Yeah. Pretty big, yeah. yeah so either way, it could be fine. Yeah. There's just two different... I mean, and we can talk about it when you guys get closer, but the idea is that there's two different routes, right? So, I mean, the, the gateway is good so long as the guys on the inside of the gates want you there. So if the Iron Wolves aren't in complete control, you can go gates, right? But if the mm-hmm. the tunnels are full of Zugtomoy's followers trying to get inside underneath the, the city, then you guys are going to meet some resistance there as well. True. So either way, looks like we're headed to war. Yeah, I like war. <laughs> I know you do, buddy. War <laughs> Forge, buddy. It's in the name. Um, so, so you're heading to bed, Dabble Dob. Is there anything that you want to get before you head on your, your journey? Because you're a wizard, so you're not really proficient with armor. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not. You don't really like weapons either. You like spells. Well, I have a little dagger. You have a little dagger? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say it was seven? 
Sorry? You said it was like seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah, it's even. You're really gonna like five in the morning? Mm-hmm. I need How rest. long do you really? I really need a rest. Like, you need a rest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want, like, I mean, so, I mean, understand, guys, that Oskenheim is open to you. If you want to check the library for information or for tomes or for spell scrolls, if you want to check the armory Warforged Weapon Master, you want to check that for yeah, oh, stuff, yeah, you can check there and get some more weapons. Fievel, if there's any, I mean, they've got horses here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to make a horse your your beast, but I mean you could definitely do that. I've already got one. Oh, don't you've already, already got don't one. <laughs> you've already got a horse. Don't steal Buddy's horse. Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna don't take Trent's <laughs> horse, man. <laughs> Justice for Trenton. Yeah, you need to get that out of some pole here, man. You know, that's your first yeah, move. Um, like you're yeah, maybe I'll horse. just take a walk around and see what beasts I can find that are just around. Okay, so Oskenheim, this veritable fortress in the side of uh, the mountain range, is quite clean and kempt on the inside, Fievel. As you kind of walk around and, and take a peek places, the, that first room off to the left of the main hall, uh, that entranceway, is certainly where, it's like the stable. So that's where horses are kept for the keepers. Other animals that you're going to find in here... There are various cats that are friendly to the keepers, and they kind of oh. keep the mouse population under check. Um, there are really? also various pigeons and, and hawks, which are kept not only for hunting, but for uh, for the, the sending of messages as well. Okay. That'd be mm. so funny if you got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the mouse has a cat friend. <laughs> Alright, um, I'm going to cast Goodberry and just... Uh, gonna feed feed the animals which animals all of them <laughs> all of them. Yeah. okay so there are dozens and dozens of horses oh there my are also God. <laughs> there are there are two cats which kind of patrol oskenheim for for mice and rats right. one well, is a black cat called shadow and the other one is mr tubbs and he is kind of the this fat orange lazy cat uh, and i walk mr. up tubbs. to him and point at fievel and be like sick <laughs> I don't think the cat will answer to you. Fievel's a large. He's he's small size, but he's a, he's a larger creature than a cat. Yeah, but I want the cat to go get him. Okay, so you, you go, you're walking with Fievel. Yeah, is, okay. is Fievel bigger than him? No, they're the same size. The same size. Yeah, they're like two and a half to oh, three feet wow. tall. Twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're gonna just. So you're saying this to Mister Tubbs? Yes. Roll me a charisma check, persuasion, to try and get Mister Tubbs to attack Fievel. Uh, that would be a 13. Yeah, not enough. Mr. <laughs> Tubbs lazily looks at you, his tail kind of flicking back and forth. He has no interest in going after Fievel. <laughs> he barely mouses. Uh, he's not a mouser. He's just a fat cat. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick him up, and I'm going to set him on top of Fievel. <laughs> okay, so you're coming up behind Fievel. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Tubbs is on Fievel's shoulders and then just kind of like slinks off, right? He has no interest in being there either. And he, he quickly is fat, kind of jiggling underneath his stomach. He walks away. <laughs> Not down for your shenanigans. <laughs> oh, Mr. Tubbs. <sighs> what are we going to do? See, well, so he's... Fievel, you're, you're looking to feed the, the horses or, or what? Yeah, I'm going to feed the horses. Okay, so you go around the stables feeding good berries to the horses. They seem to enjoy it. Um, it's a pretty beast master thing to do. I'm going to give you 100 XP. Nice. Um, That's can, I like, can I do a perception check to see if there's like a an alpha horse, a GG, some horse. Say. Alpha horse. Yeah. It's the boy. What the fuck do you mean alpha horse? <laughs> Roll me a d20. Looking for an alpha horse. 
he, he's talking about like the movie, you know, in the movie when the the horses, the one is like wild and untamable, and the, the guy walks in and you know he's horse whisperer. Uh, are you talking about spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about spirit. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. There's been like shout out to oh, spirit. What a great underrated Disney yeah. movie. No, 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 Sorry, what was your role? Uh, Nineteen. Okay, so you do see uh, near the end a very large horse stands almost half a foot taller than all the others. He's gray, and he's very clearly a war horse. So oh. a very large specimen. Okay. He looks very clearly like the alpha of the horses, if there were such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I say that one, and I walk over to the alpha horse. Okay. There is a stable boy in here with the horses, and he looks to you and says, That's Victor Brighton's horse, sir. I want it. <laughs> he looks almost taken aback. He says... <laughs> He's the leader of the keepers. I, I don't think he'll give you his horse. Oh, well, he doesn't, he doesn't have to know, right, pal? And I, like, nudge his shoulder a little bit. The, the boy looks very <laughs> taken aback and says, But the keepers ride for Ryberry within two days. He will most certainly know. There's time to leave the city. <laughs> the boy says, I'll have to report this if you take that horse. Uh, no, I tell him, uh... I had no idea it was his horse. I'm I'm just looking for a, a new horse for myself. Uh, what else you got on the slot here? You want to show me around? In terms of horses, yeah. He's a, he's a stable boy, not a used car lot. <laughs> <laughs> Plus hundred experience points for forged. Oh yeah, that's a level up. Is that a level up? Yeah. I think you're two fifty off. Did I give you fifty for something? Yeah. In our in our pre. In their character, mate. Oh, in your yeah, I know. I did give you fifty. I think it was off the air, though. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So we got another level up, level up in the house, ladies and gentlemen. The Warforged has has reached level two. Ooh, good stuff. Yeah, that's that's hot. Okay. <laughs> so he looks to me and he says, "I'm sorry, sir, but I think all the horses are taken for. You know, they're leaving for Ryeberry soon. You know, they're going to need their horses. Uh, perhaps I can interest you in 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 a pony." Oh. Make him ride a pony. <laughs> okay. I say, yeah, let's let's take a look. Okay, so he walks over <laughs> to the room. Uh, it's it's not it's just a continuation of the same room, but now there are pens of pigs, of chickens, right? Uh, oh. Oskenheim has to have its own sources of food if they're ever under siege. So he could come into this more like this, this penned room with all these different farm animals in it, including a couple cows. And he walks over to the last pen where there is a, a pony. He says, it was just found wandering the, uh, the outskirts of Oskenheim. It must have been from some farm that got attacked or something like that. But, I mean, she's a nice girl. Poor thing. And I, I walk in and I go to, like, stroke her, 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 her pelt or whatever the hell it is. Roll me a d20, please. It's uh, 11 plus, what is it, charisma? Yeah. 13? Or your... Nice. So the the pony whinnies a little bit and then uh, nudges up towards you. They're very cute. You know, you're, you're also not as intimidating as the larger soldier guys who are walking around, and she's she's a you know a pretty small pony. So yeah, I say stay away from the warforged. She's big and scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the boy looks to you and says, "She doesn't have a name, but uh, I'm sure no one would mind if you took her. Right now, she's just taking up space and eating food." Tell you what, I'll, I'll take her off your hands and I'll take good care of her. I think that would be best. Great. You now are in possession of a pony. Yes. It is a female. 
She is brown with a few white spots, and she has no name, so it's up to you. Well, hold on, first, first I think we need to decide if if this is just a pony you're riding, or is this going to be your new killing machine? Yeah, is this going to be your new beast, <laughs> or is this just a pony that you're riding? I mean, I might, I might give her some juice, see what happens. You know? <laughs> give her some juice. Let's pump this bitch full of NOS. <laughs> um, right here, the growth hormone. <laughs> is this actually what he does to beast? Pony when Donkey comes out and he's like a big stallion. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm Donkey. I'm Donkey. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. I should have had this talking pony. This is Donkey. I had a Murphy voice going. Donkey. <laughs> Okay, so you, yeah, you're now in possession of this problem with our pod. Yeah, then. for sure. We already have we already have Buzzfeed on our backs, man. <laughs> uh, so this pony is brown. She's got white spots. Uh, she's got this um, this golden brown kind of this uh, this caramelly brown hair on her on her neck and her tail, um, and she's a little portly, a little chubster. Mm, that's okay. That's yes. okay. So what would you like to do? Um, I guess I'm going to use wild empathy on her and, you know, really take the reins here. Okay, so use wild empathy. I'm not going to have you roll because, you know, I'm pretty much taking a 20 on this. You're you're feeling that sentiment flowing back and forth with the pony. You guys are vibing. Um, and about an hour later, you two are like the best of friends. Wow, me and Luck Luck. Sorry, what's her name? Luck Luck. Luck Luck? Like L-U-K-L-U-K. Her name is Luck Luck. Yep. I feel like you missed an opportunity on Buttercup here, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you and Luck Luck, that's a stupid, I'm gonna have to fucking say this name way too much. <laughs> Luck Luck is uh, down uh, <laughs> You and Luck Luck are the best of friends. And yes. is, there, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to do with Luck Luck? No, we're, we're best of buds and I'll, I'll keep it there. Okay, so you're just gonna sleep in her pen with her tonight? Yeah. Oh, wow, look at you. Wow, the kid smells like swamp, and now he's going to smell like a horse's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to leave Fievel there for now. Fievel, I'm going to give you 200 experience points for doing a Beastmaster thing for wild empathy with a pony. Kind of an outsider in in that stable, and you're definitely an outsider here, so that all makes sense. Awesome. Cool. We're now on to Dabble Dog. And the Warforged, Greg, do you want to be called Gregory or do you want to be called your actual name? I mean, I feel like Dabbledog's calling me Gregory and introducing me as Gregory anyways. Yeah, okay. Do you want to let the people know what your actual name is so that they have some reference to how dope you actually are, but then everyone calls you Gregory now? I mean, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, you could, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So your name is... It's, uh, it's Gragrock. Gragrock. Yeah. Gragrock. Yeah, it's a hobgoblin name. Yeah. But everyone calls you Gregory. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, he found me, and he was, and I was like, Gragrock. And he was like, Gregory! <laughs> My boy! Seems like a Dabbledob <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, he kind of just does whatever he wants. Yeah. So Dabbledob is... Salon for the ride. Yeah. So is there anything that you'd like to do before you, uh, free head out? Uh, let's head her to the library. Nice. Good stuff. Okay, so you're heading to the library, uh, past the stone table room straight northward, okay? You can either head straight left or right. You're very well versed with the, the inner 
uh, city of Oskenheim at this point. So you know that if you head straight through two more doors, you're going to head towards this very large, grandiose library. And it is quite large and, and vast. All of the texts which were uh, able to be salvaged at the end of the Second Age were brought to Oskenheim by the keepers. They also, like, they call themselves the keepers because of obviously the balance of things which they try and keep in, intact, but also because, I mean, societies fall, and Oskenheim is a great place to keep great works of art, statues, as well as literary works and, and knowledge, right? Which otherwise would have been lost. So you've already spent a fair amount of time here, but is there anything that you're looking for in particular? Uh, some spell scrolls. Maybe spell like scrolls. Evocation spell scrolls. Evocation spell scrolls. Roll me a d20. That's a good old seven. Good old seven. Okay, so you're uh, looking through the vast text of the library trying to, to figure out where you'd find spell scrolls. You've already spent a fair amount of time searching here, and you are unsuccessful. As you clearly look a little, you know, you're just kind of spinning around looking for stuff, uh, a woman. She is not clad in armor. However, she is clad in the in the garb of the librarian of the keepers, which is a, a black garb. There's some gold trim around her wrists. She comes up to you and she says, Is there anything I can help you with, dear? Yeah, yes. I'm actually looking for spell scrolls. Scrolls? I'm not sure about scrolls, though we do have a few in the back. I do know you're looking for spells to learn. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. Ah, okay. Well, there is Alaskar's tome. He was a, a frost magician, if you will. She says as she walks over towards one of the sides of the library, she pulls out this large, heavy, dusty text and drops it on the table. There's a loud bang in the library, and she says, he was very, very good at, uh, well, icy magic, I guess you could say. He's a wizard of great power. You might find some interesting things in here. Well, thank you. Okay, so she uh, turns and walks away, and you can kind of take a seat. There's many benches and tables with lamps that are oil burning that are lit there for people who are in the library reading. Uh, so would you like to go through Alaskar's tome? Uh, yes, I'm going to blow onto the book, get the dust off, mm. open her up and start reading. Okay, cool. So Alaskar's tome is a very interesting uh, novelized book for sure. It's, it's both an account of his journeys and his search for magic, and also a description of magics that he's found through the years. He was a wizard from the first age. As you're reading through, you notice two very distinct uh, descriptions of spells which seem to pop out from the pages as you're reading. Okay, to, In order to copy these down as a wizard, you need to spend 50 gold pieces, right? As well as an hour of time, I believe, to, to copy them down into your spell book because you're not going to take Alaskar's tome with you. Yeah. So if you'd like to do that, um, it's just resources and time. Do you have... There's two spells. Do you have... 100 gold, baby. <laughs> you are a gnome, so you've been alive for a while, so you got some, some money to your name. So the two spells that you find, one is a cantrip called Ray of Frost, and the other is a first-level spell called Ice Knife. So, Ray of Frost is an evocation cantrip. Its casting time is an action. The range is 60 feet. And just so our listeners know, we'll read out our little, little description here. Ray of Frost allows you to take a, make a frigid beam of blue-white light that streaks towards a creature within range, which is 60 feet. You make a ranged spell attack against the target. On a hit, they take 1d8 cold damage, and their speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. Sweet. Cool. Uh, the spell's damage is also going to increase by 1d8 once you automatically, when you reach the 5th, 11th, and 17th levels. So at its max, it'll be 4d8. So it's kind of cool. That's sick. Ice Knife is an, is an actual first-level spell, and it's Conjuration. Okay? So it's an action. The range is 60 feet. You make a ranged spell attack, and on a hit, the target takes 1d10 piercing damage. 
hit or miss, the shard then explodes, and the target uh, and each creature within five feet must take a, make a dex saving throw against your spell save, or they'll take 2d6 cold damage. So 1d10 if you pierce them, and then the, the glass knife, the, shard, the ice knife explodes. So if you actually hit a target, they're taking 1d10 plus 2d6. Okay? And if you use higher level spell slots for the ice knife, the damage will increase by 1d6 for each spell slot above the first. So the 1d10 is the same, but you'll do like 3d6 explosion or 4d6 so explosion. So right 2d6? Yeah, first level. And a 5 foot? 5 foot radius around the, the target. Excellent. Uh, Dabbledob, I'm, I'm going to give you 200 experience points, man. I know, you, you know you're doing you, man. You're a, you're a wizard. You're searching for knowledge, for lore. You're always about learning. You're adding books. You're adding spells to your, your spell book, which I think is super cool. So that's 200 XP to you. Uh, and that's going to take you about you know, two hours to do that. So this is what you're doing before bed. Is you're just learning these spells. You're practicing a little bit. You're conjuring a little bit of frost in your hand as you're writing it down, as you're copying. Okay. Uh, and I think that's super cool. What we're going to move on to now is our boy, Gregory. Gregory. The Warforged. Gregory, you followed Dabbledob into the library. He's now just pouring over this book, really not focused on anything but the learning and the knowledge. And you just kind of stand there and you're like, well, you know, you're not needed here. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you like to do? I'm just going to say goodnight to Dabbledob. Okay, so you say goodnight to Dabbledob. Dabbledob, do you even notice or do you just... I'm going to throw up a quick peace sign and keep writing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, then uh, I'm going to go check out the armor. Okay, so you know where the... Bed. I don't need to sleep much. <laughs> so you head down to the, uh, li- to the the armory, and you know that the armory is down a level, so you're actually, you come back out of the library, you take a left from the direction that you were going, a right if you were heading in towards the library. So you take a left and down a circular set of stairs. Okay. It's down here that the majority of the keepers find themselves when they're not actively practicing you know, outside the walls of Oskenheim. So down here, there's a very large inner stone um, courtyard of sorts where there are uh, targets set up for archery practice as well as mannequins, these wooden soldiers that are set up for you know, combat practice. And even now, in the late hours of the evening, there are soldiers, uh, warriors, I should say, the keepers that are training. So this is where you kind of feel at home. You're like, your Warforged mind is watching these guys, and you're like, ha, oh, that was sloppy technique. Ha, oh, like, you know, that blade isn't very isn't very good for that, or whatever it is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just judging them all yeah. silently. Okay. So uh, <laughs> this very large room is nearly 200 feet by 200 feet. It's a huge courtyard, right? Because they have a massive force which needs to train and they obviously don't want to be doing that outside mm-hmm. those walls to the left there are multiple doors one of them leading to the barracks of the keepers but if you were to head straight onwards and you'd know this already because you've been here for a while there are uh, there is a forge where the weapons we call them like a weapons master of the of the keepers right not to be confused with your class which is weapons master it's the the, for- the smith yeah Okay, so you head through there uh, and into the forge. You don't... I mean, do you notice temperature? I know that you can't smell. Do you notice, like, heat? It's hotter in here. I'm not sure it's a I big mean, deal, but it's hotter in here. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't say anything about that in the in the class. So. Okay. It's up for, the, it's up for debate. So it's quite hot in this forge. Yeah, I feel like if it's, like, like really hot, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't affect me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I feel like that, you know, I, I would feel if it's, like... You know, like if, if, I have, if, if he's going to start melting, I feel like I would you know, know that it's pretty freaking hot. Well, like if I light you on fire, you're going to notice, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that would probably do some damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dabble Dab just likes to. I want to lightly trace a flame yeah. across his back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Which parts of him are not metal and resistant to fire? Okay, great. I'm going to burn those. <laughs> Okay, so the forge room is actually quite large, almost 30 to 40 feet by 30 to 40 feet, 40 feet by 40 feet-ish. The uh, the forge is, is uh, the bellows are quite large. There's also uh, the the actual uh, the cooling station and, and the, the, the workbenches uh, made of iron and metal where they're actually hammering the, the weapons together. There's only one man in here now, but you can imagine it's a multiple-person operation when the forge is fully going and they're actually in the process of making a bunch of weapons. Yeah. But there's a, a man uh, sitting at a grinding stone, okay? He's sharpening a blade. He is a little bit older. It looks like a man in his early 60s, which is quite old for this time, okay? Uh, and as you enter, you're quite loud. You're made of metal. Your, stone, your steps make a lot of noise. He kind of peers up from his work. He's got spectacles on, but he's got a very large whitish beard. Uh, his hair kind of flows back and hasn't been cut in a while. And he's wearing, you know, like a light cloth shirt, and it's kind of dripping with sweat because it's obviously very, very warm in here. He looks up and he says, "Oh, Warforged. Hmm? Oh, was that like uh, was that judgy? Does he not like me? <laughs> don't don't get nervous. It's not that he doesn't like you. You know, it's just he, you're a Warforged. You know, you're very unique. It's not like there's a lot of you guys anymore, as per the history of Norian. Uh, fair, fair. He." Kind of pushes his spectacles up, but then continues to sharpen the blade. He says, I wondered when I'd see you through my door. War is upon us. Time to equip myself. (laughs) (laughs) Very simple. I like it. He goes, I suppose that's true. But tell me, don't you already have a blade? There's always better blades. I suppose that's right. Well, what are you looking for, Sentinel? What do you have available? He kind of scoffs. I have everything available. This forge burns night and day, he says as he stands. And he kind of puts the weapon on the workbench. And he kind of gestures openly and points his hands towards the forge. He says, we have swords, shields, daggers, maces, flails, great hammers. Anything you can wield, we've got it. And I've come to the right place. That you have. Now, I've been instructed to give you whatever it is that you seek for your mission. It appears Victor Brighton likes you. So, what is it that you want? What is first off? Is any other stuff better than what I already have? Yeah, so let's talk about that. What do you have already? I've got just your standard scale metal. Okay. You know, AC-14. Okay. It's good stuff. Could be better, you know. So I'm sure they've got some nicer stuff. He does have sets of heavy, ar- heavy armor. Oh, that's hot. There you go, bud. Yeah, I like that. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, and I've also got just your standard shield and your standard battle axe. Standard battle axe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, he makes, um, he doesn't make magical weapons yeah. or weapons that are imbued with any special no, powers. Yeah. Uh, though he, he does have, you know, expertly crafted weapons for sure. So uh, he looks to you and says, so you're in need of armor. Only the finest. Well, the finest is what you'll get then. He looks at you, and then he says, I suppose you could bear the weight of full plate? Aye. Well then, along that wall there, he says, you'll find uh, some pieces we just made. Full set of full plate. Typically, we'd charge an outsider, but as per your arrangement with Brighton, I suppose it's free of charge. Thank you. 
So he uh, gestures towards the wall where there are three or four full sets of plate mail, which are currently uh, fabricated and made. The plate mail is heavy armor and will act as such. You'll have disadvantage on stealth. However, you'll gain an AC of 18. So would you like to swap those out? Yeah. Okay. So it'll take you you four or five minutes to take off your armor, and it'll take you almost ten minutes to don the heavy plate mail. But you now own a full set of plate mail. And your AC is currently 18. So that's sweet. Yeah, that's hot. He looks to you and he says, I see you're a fan of the battle axe. Yes. May I show you an invention of my own? Please. He walks over to the wall and picks up a hefty battle axe off of uh, these these bolts on the wall. So he just has a number of weapons of kind of his own. He's got little twists on weapons, and so he pulls a battle axe off the wall. He says, Just as durable and as strong as a regular battle axe, but instead of a rounded end, I've implemented a spike. See if you slash your opponent, he says, as he kind of follows through with the blade showing you. He says, Your opponent might fall before you. And instead of doing a full overhead, you can just take your battle axe and, and he, like, like, points it down to the stone where it taps the stone and he says, you can stab them instead. So it's like an axe with a point on top? It's an axe with a point on the bottom. Oh, it's like a yeah. So like it's, it's, it acts yeah. as somewhat of a spear in that oh, moment, nice. right? Not that you would use it as a spear forward, but when your opponent's down on the ground, yeah, you, you would stab down into the axe. Like a mini dagger, basically. Yeah, kind of. It's just a continuation of the metal. It's sharp. Mm-hmm. Sharpened. Right? And it's almost like a, a stake. Yeah. It's not like a blade that only has two sides, it has four. Yeah, yeah. So... I get you. Yeah. So, he says, time is always of the essence when you're in combat, is it not? The time it takes to downward strike an opponent who's on the ground is too much, in my opinion. Yes. Very wise. So, you may have this as well. Is there anything else you're in need of, Warforged? Any of of his shields better than... uh... Uh, you have a wooden shield right now. He has full metal shields. They don't offer any bonus to AC, but it just kind of looks yeah, nicer. I feel like, yeah, more durable. Got, more durable. Metal shield, yeah. Okay. So, are you just going to leave him your shield? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. And you're going to leave him your battle axe, or are you going to take both? Um, both. Take both. Yeah, I guess I'll take both, yeah. Okay. I'll keep cool. the one on my back or whatever. Yeah. So, you kind of place them both at your back, kind of cross battle axes, right? There's no bonuses or anything to this. It's just, I can... There's them. no bonuses. You can just stab with it as yeah. well. So, yeah. it, well, it's slashing damage, so they're That's piercing, piercing on, on piercing. that one. Yeah. yeah, and we'll go with a D8. D8? Okay. Yeah. So just the same. Yeah, but you, you'll only... But the, the thing is, you won't do it standing. You'll just do it when an opponent's mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? No, it'll be an opportunity type mm-hmm. of situation. Yeah. yeah, I get you. Super cool. So he looks you up and down and says, well, you look like a, a full soldier now. Thank you. Well, my friend, it has been a pleasure. If you're ever in need of anything else, if you make it back from this journey of yours, you know where to find me. I do. So he says, well, with that, I bid you a good night, Warforged. To you as well. Awesome. You're also going to gain 200 experience points. You know? Dope. Dabble Dobbs looking at magic. You're looking at weapons. You're a weapons master. I like it. Everyone's kind of doing their own their own bit. Fievel's off with a pony. Everyone's, everyone's got their own shiznit going on, which is what we like here. So, Dabble Dob, you're going to bed after you look at your spells. Warforge, you're probably shutting down for your four hours. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Do that. Cool. And then, uh, Fievel, you're sleeping with your girl in her pen. 
pretty fearful of you. With luck, luck. <laughs> With luck, luck. <laughs> you sure you don't want to change that? <laughs> you should. I don't know. The fans might like luck, luck. Yeah. Yeah. I know one fan that will definitely like it. (laughs) Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that is where we are going to leave our session for today. Excellent first session, in my opinion, with our new characters, Dabbledob and Gregory the Warforged. We uh, also saw the return of Fievel, which was super exciting. A lot of people wanting to see that for a while. Do we have anything we'd like to say to the fans before we sign out? Thank you and good night. (laughs) Get, get ready for a wild ride. A wild ride. Yeah. Anything from you, Fievel? Fievel's back. Or... Fievel's back. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back, back again. <laughs> yeah, Fievel's back. Back, back. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Whether it was morning, evening, noon, or night. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Dicey D20. It's always our pleasure bringing you guys cool stuff. Check out our merch. Check out our backstories uh, all on podbean.com backslash Dicey D20. You can also check us out on Twitter, Facebook. We're on Instagram, I think. I don't know. But, I mean, our accounts are pretty cool. We post funny stuff, and we do it all for you guys. We will see you next time on the Dicey D20. Peace out. Double dog signing off. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>